a narration story. Um, it is um, by M.C. August, is the horror author, and his book is called Death is Funny Sometimes. So be sure to check the book out in my description box below. So, alright, so we are going to be reading A Church at Trader's Creek. Nine cars were parked in different locations around the town of Dark Summit, Maryland. The nine drivers exited their cars, holding the same black box, and the nine walked in the same trail through the woods. Their final destination was Trader's Creek. The nine were chaperones by northern red oaks, which lent the creek a slight crimson tinge. The nine walked in a single file line, carrying their boxes like ants, serving the same master. After a while or so, they reached a log cabin with a red door marked by a roughly painted black cross. A massive, handmade wooden cross stood directly behind the cabin, and the shadow embossed the water with the cross inverted. Charles Wake opened the red door and joined the nine outside the cabin. He was their preacher and led the parish of the Stranded. Wake was dressed like a pilgrim, but with a red cockle hat instead of the usual black. He was holding a Bible, which he wrote himself and called the Book of Wake. The preacher nodded to the nine and walked to a thick slab of stone. He stood on it as his altar and bricks underneath operated as risers. The nine formed a circle around him and Wake motioned for them to place their black boxes on the dirt in front of them. Wake began his sermon. I can stand before you and preach and preach about sacrifice and redemption, but the only true way of being redeemed is through true action, and that action comes through true sacrifice. And then, and only then, will you be truly forgiven. Wake was interrupted by the foghorn from a nearby lighthouse. Van continued on with his sermon when the short, ominous hymn ended. When I was a sailor, a sailor as a young man, I saw how the sea can take what relentless abandon. One storm was so terrible that the waves tore my friends asunder. I can attest the devil is a serpent, and its spiked tail swung violently from the sea and poked holes in my face as it kissed my cheeks with malice. Wake turned his head from side to side to show the nine the indented scars in his face and the foghorn sang another note. But... When I became a preacher, I understood how the sea can also give, continued Wake. This creek is no different. The devil from the deep took three of my friends that day, but three were spared. 
me being one of those. You see, a life lost is a life saved, and the devil chose me to teach that lesson of sacrifice to others. Praise, Wake, chanted the nine in unison. Now we shall eat as we began the ritual, said Wake. Pick up your boxes and follow me. Wake led the nine behind the cabin, two white picnic tables, flanked a roasting wild boar spinning on a spit. The dark smoke from the fire acted as sacrificed incense. On the benches sat nine red robes. Remove all of your garments and take a robe, instructed Wake. The nine stripped completely and put the robe on, which matched Wake's hat. Good, now throw your clothes into the fire, wallets, jewelry, mobile phones, and handbags included. The nine did as ordered and threw all of their possessions into the fire. The smoke turned from gray to black and the rising flames helped finish off the boar with a nice, intense char. Wake picked up a meat fork and carving knife from the table and sliced into the boar, carefully so not to ignite his clothes. He served the head and began pulling meat from the shoulder and loin. Both sections were tender as butter and came right out. He piled pieces onto a wooden platter that rested in the dirt next to a spit. Once the pile got high enough, Wake presented the platter to the nine. Put down your black box and open your bone box wide to take in the fruity flesh of the boar, said Wake. Enjoy and take from the woods before you give to the woods. One night of fire spares the beast many nights of cold ahead in this month of November. Like you nine, the beast is rewarded for its sacrifice. After their feast of pig flesh, Wake led the nine to a special tree, which the preacher called the Oak of Rebirth. Goat skulls formed a circular border around the tree with the horns all facing outward. Inside the border grew blue aster flowers. The branches were adorned with trinkets, many of which were baby shoes hung by their tiny laces. Now, it's, it is time for your black box, said Wake. The nine opened their boxes and decorated the tree with the items inside. Another pair of baby shoes came from Mary Soaker, who lost her infant daughter to a rare blood disease. Widower Jack Kohler hung a wedding band from a string, and Mel Knott's box had a necklace that belonged to a woman he killed in a hit-and-run accident. He was drunk but got away with it because his family had power and influence. Mel stole the necklace when he broke into the woman's home when her husband left for work. The other six trinkets placed on the tree by the nine all intended to serve the same purpose, to bring back the dead. You may still believe I am telling you a thumper, but I promise your sacrifice will bring back the soul of the person that owned the relic you place on this tree. They will be reincarnated as an aster, like those that you see, and I promise to nurture them. They may no longer be human, but will still get to live life anew. 
The preacher said a resurrection prayer from his book of wake and led the nine on a stone path that took them to a garden of tungsten crosses. It appeared as it were a miniature cemetery of unmarked graves. A dream catcher was hung on each cross by a necklace made of lead. Uproot your cross from the earth so it can be replanted and used in the sea, said Wake, and place the necklace around your neck. The dream catcher will prevent bad dreams on your journey. Through the blueness of the deep to the blackness of death, the nine plucked their crosses from the dirt, which were heavy and needed to be dragged as they directed them on a continuing stone path to the creek. The sun glistened up the shining crosses. As if a higher power above was witnessing the ritual, but could not intervene, the preacher set down his book of weight so it would not get wet, and walked into the water to be wrapped with a baby bassinet bobbing on top. The nine watched with their crosses from the edge of the creek. This is the raft of rebirth, said Wake, as he placed one hand on the wooden barge. One of you will be chosen to be reborn as human. I promise to father you until you are old enough to be adopted, and one day you may return to visit and join me in nurturing the blue asters. Now say, let it be me. Let it be me, shouted the nine in unison. Yes, said Wake, the boar meat should now be weighing you down in your gut to help aid in your sacrifice. The preacher reached into his pocket and pulled a plastic bag of full of salt. He sprinkled the salt in a large circle as the nine observed. You shall be cleansed in this holy water, continued Wake. This is the seasoning for the serpents. Wake waded back to the nine. Some of you did heinous things, but you will now be forgiven for waking smells, said Wake. Your bellows will fill with water. You'll be shining around until you stop and the water returns to calm. Then completely still again, you must not fight it, and you must not let go of your cross as it carries you down. Your sacrifice must be your own, and I may not aid you in holding your head or binding your hands. Does everyone understand? Yes, said the nine. Foghorn blared once again from the nearby lighthouse, but with more of an echo this time that lasted just a bit longer. The time has come, said Wake, summoned by the song of the serpent. Come forward. The nine moved their heavy crosses into the water and held on as tight as they sank. The foghorn resonated again with the sound amplified and distorted to the nine below. All held onto their cross with a grip as firm as their belief in redemption. And soon the nine were nine. They were joined at the bottom of the sea by dozens of red robe skeletons holding their own tungsten cross grave markers. All believed they could trade one soul for another through sacrifice. They couldn't. Wake did make a deal with the devil, though. Wake was never a sailor as a young man, and his cheeks weren't kissed. Those scars were caused by smallpox, which he was stricken with in 1720. He built up a fortune in tobacco and went from plantation man to prophet to serve his own end, which was to never end. While on his deathbed, the devil came to Wake and offered 
that if he gave him nine souls, then his own would be spared. Wake agreed, but he had to repeat the ritual of nine every 66 years before the calendar reaches December, or he would breach the pact and rot away like petals of the blue asters. So Wake found himself a secluded area. He could build a cabin and call it a church to substitute selling tobacco for souls without getting caught. Wake prayed on those who needed redemption and were stricken with grief. And he used that and their tears as his elixir for immortality. Through 300 years, he was spared cholera and Spanish flu, as well as every other affliction. The grave is the only trap even the world's greatest magician cannot escape, unless you make a deal with the devil like Charles Wake. So that's the end of the story. I hope you enjoy it. Be sure to check it out um, on the link below. So yeah, go and support horror authors out there. And until next time, I'll be um, seeing y'all soon. I love you. Bye.